Jennifer, it's happening. <laughs> Season three, baby. Back on our bullshit. <laughs> Everyone, that's the official title of season three. We're not that actually is. kidding. We'd been We're really struggling. We'd we'd flown a lot of ideas past each other. We have a plan. But but a, a catchy title like the books that blooded us would was eluding us. And now here we are. Back, Back on, on our, our bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> Perfection is what I have to say about that. Also, as I noticed this morning when I said it to Jen, it also quickly becomes the acronym BOOB. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Jen is like wandering around. She forgot we have to use a microphone. <laughs> I do. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, the cat was knocking on the door again. And what, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> There's a plumber it's- here. Mama needs a new disposal. So any random noises, we're just going to. We're just going to roll with it, everybody. Yeah. So uh, season three, boob. Boob. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. We're like 12 years old over here. It's uh, quarantine day. I don't even know. <laughs> quarantine day 12,000. <laughs> I know. It really does feel like, uh, yeah, it's it's not even funny anymore. <laughs> no, it's really not. I stopped counting because we went away. And I thought, oh, it's not fair to continue to count, right? Like, right. because we're changing locations. But then we went away and we just ended up isolating away in a right. house, which was at least like, but it did feel like freedom. Like, it felt like yeah. I, I was high from the, you know. <laughs> change of pace. The change like, of scenery. I kept texting Jen and and Kate Claymore and being like, I'm sorry, I haven't read anything. The fresh air has done me in. <laughs> The outdoors truly did do me in. Uh, But here we are. I'm back in New York, fully polluted again. (laughs) Um, I've decided that pollution is really my what I need. Pollution is the the Adderall of my life. (laughs) Sure. I came back to a city. I like banged out, you know, 100 pages of a book. (laughs) It was great. It was great. Carbon monoxide. No, is it monoxide? Carbon dioxide. One of the oxides. Carbon something. What's good for me? We're not. It's not a science podcast. One of the oxides. It's not a, not <laughs> a science. Oxide. One of the Nitrous oxide. oxide. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Someone's a chemist. Um, Welcome to Faded Mates, everybody. Season three. Back on our bullshit. <laughs> Did we uh, say that already? I don't think so. Back on our bullshit. Uh, bullshit, though, we're classy here, so it's the I is going to be an asterisk. Obviously. I but mean. Sometimes it'll just be we're like the, ladies. the god of the I. <laughs> we're fucking ladies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, So we're very excited. Um, well, you know, it's it makes sense that this is our title because we've had to have that explicit flag on iTunes every from time from the start because you know blood blowjobs, so or, or hand jobs, yeah, blood jobs, whatever. Blood jobs. <laughs> but not doctoring. We did have a healthcare worker as interstitial. It's fine. We did, and we and we still are very pro healthcare workers. I, I stand by it. I stand by that interstitial. Yeah, me too. So we hope everybody's doing okay. What's going to happen today is we're going to talk about our plan for season three, which is, you know, we've spent some time talking about, and then we're going to give you a reading assignment. Because I'm getting ready to go back to school. Homework day. Get ready, you guys. Get ready. Jen has a plan. It's a good plan, uh, I think. I'm, gonna, I'm blaming this on Jen. Jen. Jen is the one who came up with this idea. 
I, it's a, I think it's a good idea. I just do what she tells me. Yeah, so, but sure. we'll save it. We're going to save it for the pod. <laughs> um, okay. So Jen, tell, so first of all, yes, I want to co-sign. I hope everybody out there is safe since the last time we were actually really like live with you yeah. or, you know, close to the date with you. Um, a lot of shit has happened in America. And um, we are just, we're thinking about you all the time. Yeah, I would say um, one of the things I think about a lot is it's so easy to feel helpless, but there are lots of things you can do, right? So you can utilize the phone and be calling your representatives and senators. Um, If you, this week, I got really upset about the post office and my worries about the election and signed up to be a poll worker. And I know that is not going to be for everyone, but I was like, look, I can do this thing, so I'm going to do it. Um, So I would just recommend to everybody, if you, like me, are just feeling really helpless, um, find something to do rather than just, like, doom scrolling. And it really did make a difference for me. Like, I, the minute I, like, sent off my application to this... Chicago Board of Elections, I just was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to do something. And I I felt better. Yeah. Do you follow Celeste Pewter on Twitter? I think so. Yes, Celeste P. And she's the one who is who really does I mean she does we will link to her in show notes you guys should follow her she I think she has a Patreon which I have or like a a coffee Ko-Fi I don't know what it's called or how to pronounce it but like that account which I have I have given her money before because she is doing so much good work um, making sure that so she used to work in politics Um, she always has like good scripts to use when you're writing like writing a letter or making a phone call she will tell tell you who you need to call, what you need to say, um, what needs to happen. She posted this great thread yesterday, I think, about the post office and um, and like who to call, what to ask for, what to say. Um, so I'm really worried about the post office. I'm worried about the post office for lots and lots of reasons. Obviously, paramount is things like people's medication comes through the post, the post office, voting is like vote by mail is so important. Even when we're not in a pandemic, vote by mail is important. Um, but on a very like personal mercenary level, because <laughs> I mean, it's America. So, you know, uh, we're all fucking lone rangers out here. Like the post office is essential to independent bookstores. It's essential to those of us who are right now, independent bookstores are literally surviving on a on a thread of you know, financial security because they can ship things media mail to people who are willing to buy them and order them around the country. Best friend Kelly, for example, is, I mean, anybody who's working a business from home, right? Yeah. We're all using the post office all the time. The idea that we would be losing it is ridiculous. Um, Speaking of the post office, though, and I meant to say this, uh, I don't, well, no, I didn't mean to say this because we haven't talked to you guys in like... Mm -hmm two months. Um, but I have special edition faded mate stickers here at the house. Oh yeah. Um, so what we're going to do is put a a link in show notes to a Google doc. If you did not receive a special edition faded mate sticker with your pre-order of, uh, daring in the Duke, I've got about 60 left and I'm happy to support the United States postal service and ship them around the country. If you fill out the form on the Google doc, uh, we will not spam you. Perfect. Yeah, for Or send not. you anything weird. I mean, unless you want it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. 
Um, I'll also link in show notes. Some friends of mine back in 2016 started a um, organization called My Civic Workout. And the whole they put out like maybe one they put out like a newsletter per week. But it's really aimed at action. And it's like kind of set up by how much time you have. If you only have five minutes, do this. If you have 30 minutes, do this. And um, I think it's also going to be a great resource kind of moving forward towards the election um, about what you can do. So I think it's really, you know what, the time for action is now. And we all need to save our democracy, everybody. (laughs) We, I mean, we didn't intend for the beginning of this season three to be like, here are all the ways that you can be politically active, but we're going to do it. Here we are. Um, I also, you know, in 2018, I must have written 200 postcards to voters around the election. Um, and I wasn't stuck in my house. And so let's uh, we'll also put links in show notes to postcards to voters. Um, you can get online. There's a very easy like texting phone system, that, texting system that they use where you can text them and they'll just send you. They say, how many addresses do you want? And they'll send you, you know, 20 addresses in a district that's flippable. Um, and you can just sit in front of your TV or listen to us and write your postcards. And then one more plug. Um, I know like nobody's really canvassing anymore, but, and people hate phone banking. I have text done text banking in the past where, and it's a, you don't do it from your own phone. You like, there's like a platform on your computer, like no one ever gets your number. And text banking is honestly like the greatest, like you can, again, do it from your couch. And, um, it's just like a really satisfying way again, to sort of feel like you are making a difference. So if any of these things are appealing to you, we are going to put a bunch of links and show notes, um, um, because yeah, we're, I don't know, man, we're out. T- the time is now no more time for like, it'll, I'll have, I'll do that when push comes to show. Cause we're, we're back on our bullshit. We're back on our bullshit. <laughs> so and we're going to be with you every week from now until then. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll all like, you know, be, an- be anxious together. <laughs> so Sarah, let's talk about season three. And kind of our journey to, like, deciding kind of what we wanted to do. Sure. All right. So I think we should recap for se- – I think we should recap season one, too. Because yeah. I think – you know, the other day I was talking to somebody and they were like, oh, I love Fated Mates. And I was like, you, have you read Cressley Cole? Have you read Cressley's books? And they were like, who's Cressley? And I was like, what? <laughs> do you really love Fated Mates? <laughs> it's a long time ago. So we are, Eric told me the other day, we're at episode, he thinks, 92. He thinks this is episode 92, which means coming up on 100, which means we got to figure out what we're going to do. I have some ideas, but I'm not going to share them (laughs) with you or anyone. It's all secret (laughs) until we can actually get it lined up. I'll be like, Jen, get on the phone at this time. Surprise. This is episode 100. (laughs) Um, Okay. So season one was Cressley Cole. Do you remember how we started? Talking about Moonstruck, my friend. (laughs) I mean, that's how we started the... Oh, that was Eric's idea, by the way, for episode 100, was that we do a live watch of Moonstruck. Fine. I'm so down with that. (laughs) I love that movie. Do you remember how we came up with the idea? I don't remember. I remember it was just like on Twitter. One of us said it. I'm pretty okay. So everybody, this is like I'm gonna tell this story. This is like the dual. This is why dual point of view is my favorite. Because <laughs> my because if it were a single point of view in my story, I'd be like I don't know. One time we talked. One time we talked. <laughs> everybody, I would like you to imagine right now that you're 
2018 me had, you know, 400 Twitter followers and a big mouth. And Sarah and I were, like, definitely friendly on Twitter. We bounded over our love of Dara Craven and IAD. And you know what else, Sarah? You and I met because you were in Chicago for a for Lit Fest, for Printer's Row Lit Fest. Did we meet before the podcast? Mm-hmm. And so we met. We, uh, I think we were with uh, Suleika Snyder, right? Was she there? Like, yeah, no. but that wasn't when the podcast was happening. I guess it wasn't. We were just friends. I don't know. Yeah, this, no. Okay. It doesn't listen. matter. Okay. We were just we were just friends and I was going to meet you because I was like a cool Chicago reader. And there are a lot of cool Chicago readers, but then we ended up somewhere together. And then it was like later that summer. I met Lil Romance that day. You did. He's so cute. You've met him before since because I've been to your house. Then what happened is at some point you were like, we should do a podcast about Immortals After Dark. Now, at some point I told you this, that you were the one that generated this idea. And you were like, I thought it was your idea. And I was like, yeah, but I was no one. And you're Sarah McLean. I didn't I wasn't going to be like rolling up on you and being like, hey, I don't really love that distinction. But sure. OK, sure. <laughs> I'm just saying 2018, Jen. 2020, Jen is like, fuck you. I'm Jen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one name. 20. <laughs> Like Madonna. <laughs> yes. Um, I will say that oftentimes people say, Jen said, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, my Jen? <laughs> so just know that in the world, you're my Jen. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's fine. I, I accept this. I assume I'm your Sarah, so we're You fine. are my Sarah, for sure. Um, so anyway, we talked about it kind of off and on, but we didn't really get started with it until like later in August. Because behind the scenes, you did some work of, like, talking to think people like Cressley Cole and your publisher and being like, hey, can I do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we because we did. So we decided we were going to do this Immortals After Dark podcast because we love it so much, as you all know. Or if you don't, if you are new to Fated Mates, season one of Fated Mates, like yeah. every book episode, every like, you know, deep dive episode is a Cressley Cole book. Yes. Like we didn't do any other books that year. No. Um, and... Uh, so yes, I emailed Cressley, who was very, and I said, because I had sort of said, like, we can't do it without Cressley's blessing, um, who gave us her blessing. And then I emailed Cressley's publisher and basically said, like, we're going to do this thing. Would you like to be a part of it? And they were like, sure, we'll send you both full sets of the books, which they did. Uh, and then we sort of got started and we thought the interstitials would be short and sweet and like quick because Eric... Um, has produced a lot of media, um, yeah. web-based media and and uh, and podcasts over the years. And um, he was sort of like, if you, we had sort of said, well, we need to give everybody two weeks to read the books. Right. And he was like, if you release every two weeks, you will never get the level of listenership and loyalty that you think you, yeah. that you want because right. people get, they, they forget you. I don't see how you could ever forget us. <laughs> You know what, though? I Looking back, I'm so grateful for that suggestion because I think it really is that it's the combination of like the deep dive and the interstitial that I think makes it yeah. so perfect. Without the interstitials, I don't think we would have kept going. I think we would have finished the Cressley season and then we would have come back when Monroe is released. 
anyway, so we, so then we started these middle week placeholder. They were just designed to sort of say like, oh, you like road trip romances. We like them too. Here are three we really like. And then you should have known, like we were just, we were just big mouths. Like we don't want, we can't do 10 minutes. God, no. I think Eric kind of knew that. Eric was like, are you kidding me with this? (laughs) Like you and your big mouth. You know what I say to people all the time though? Like, and I, like, I want to say thanks to our listeners, but it's such a gift to be able to talk about romance this way. Yeah. And it is like, I just have never really had that before. No, me neither. I mean, even, and I like, I came to romance because my sister read romance, but like my sister and I never had this kind of intense conversation about it. Um, And I also think like, I, I value so much the conversation with somebody who's not another writer, right? Because writers can like, we're, we can really get in our own heads and be real like, stupid sometimes about (laughs) what the books, how the books work. And so it's always really like, I love having somebody who's a reader be able to say, and a critic be able to say like, here's what I think is happening here. And it sort of takes me out of my like navel gazy existence, which is really nice. So anyway, so that was season one. And then we finished Wicked Abyss. Mm -hmm. And we were like, we should probably keep going. This is pretty great. (laughs) So we started season two, which was the books that blooded us. And those of you who've never read Cressley Cole books and didn't listen to season one probably were like, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because in the Cressley Cole universe, when a vampire finds his bride, she bloods him. And literally like his blood just shoots right to his penis his heart starts to pound he thinks there's cannon fire it's <laughs> fucking delightful it really is amazing if you read no other Cressley Cole books read the vampire ones where like his heart starts to pound and he literally thinks there's like Armageddon coming <laughs> it's amazing it's the best <laughs> and then immediate erection yeah of course obviously because he's know. never because they're sexless before like they're unable to have to have penetrative sex before they are blooded. Yeah, they're not even interested in it if they, mm. you mm-hmm. know, even if they were like, you know, I love a wet ass pussy. <laughs> Sorry, had to get that in there. No, um, it's true. The one gift, the twenty twenty. No, that and the chicks album. Yeah, sure. How do you sleep at night? And that's it. And Kamala. Oh, um, and Kamala. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> Okay, All right, so the last couple of weeks have been pretty, like, solid weeks for women yeah. in the world. Sure. Gaslighter, yeah. wet-ass pussy, Kamala Harris. Absolutely. It's a hat trick. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. <laughs> Kamala's like, are those my people? Yes. Um, <laughs> you know Kamala loves it. Oh, my God. All of it. You know she listened to that Chicks album over and over and over again until wet-ass pussy came out and then did what all of us did and immediately started just listening to that instead. <laughs> I would say, like, my best <laughs> moment with that is a um, little romance who is uh, going to be a senior in high school and I are driving around and he's like, we should listen to this. I was like, we should. Have you heard the new song? And we're driving. He's like, oh, so that's what WAP stands for. And then we dragged my husband because we knew that he would, if he ever listened to it, be like, you know, clutching his man pearly at like, oh, oh, I can't believe this song. Nothing like this has ever happened to me. And the best, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for that conversation because I'm primed to say something I saw on Twitter, which would be like, remember that song where the guy was like, to the window, to the wall, to the window, to the walls, till the sweat drips off my balls. Like, remember that one? No, I don't oh. remember that. And I'm now I'm sort of mad you put that in my head. No, it's an amazing song. Like, you definitely want to go clubbing right. when you hear it. But my point is, 
let's stop with being all, you know, outraged. So, yeah, that's good We're stuff. We're very okay. pro. We're pro WAP here yeah. at, at Fate of Mates. Obviously. <laughs> like, that one dude who was like, my wife never. <laughs> oh, my God, that poor woman. But also, so, okay, just to, like, bring him back around to me, I texted you about this, and I had this, like, long, I walked into the kitchen, and Eric was doing dishes, and I was like, I have something to say. <laughs> and he turned around, and I was like, Here's my problem. This one asshole on Twitter whose yeah. name I am not going to say because no, me neither. fuck that guy. He's like, these women obviously have health problems. And my problem with this in the world, and we talked about this, I think, a little bit on our bodily autonomy episode back in season two. But like, is half of American women, like we all enjoy dragging that dude, right, right. on Twitter. And like, haha, what an idiot, like telling on himself because he's never like made a woman have feel pleasure in her life, right? This said, half of American women, arguably, like there is a large percentage of American women and a whole, a huge percentage of American girls, young women, who have no idea about how their bodies should work. I know. What is normal? Like, what is okay? What you should be aiming for when you're having sex with a person you love? I know. And obviously when I say, I'm talking about people with vaginas when I talk about this. Um, And so, and I just, it, it infuriates me. It enrages me. It makes me feel like, Literally, no one has ever said to, like, a young boy, like, wow, that erection is weird. Yeah, right. You know, like, and it's just so frustrating. I know. I agree. (sighs) So I feel like, thanks, Cardi B, and thanks, Megan. Like, this is something, like, I'm happy to have out there in the world. But, yeah, it's awful. Makes me really upset. Ugh. I know. Patriarchy. Mm. Back on our bullshit. Back on our bullshit. Okay, so (laughs) I don't remember where that was going. So the books that blooded us, right? So we decided, so season two really became about Jen and I exploring the books that made us romance readers. Right. And for a lot of you out there, for a lot of listeners, they were uh, there was overlap. There were books that made them romance listeners, romance listeners, romance (laughs) readers. And on top of it, but we didn't just stick to like, you know, uh, Joanna Lindsay and and uh, Loretta Chase. We also talked about, um, you know, Victoria Dahl and Tessa Bailey and. You know, other people who we think um, who just showed us the way that romance could be and like showed us really established like for you and I, the places where um, people were really opening up or people were sort of pushing out against the genre. And we started really we really enjoyed that. And then we increased it. We had more interviews. We had more like we had interstitials that were both about tropes and about things like bodily autonomy or about politics or about, you know, other things that related to the genre. Um, And so Faded Mates became kind of broader. Right. Which we both really liked. And I think our listeners did, too. So Mm -hmm. when it came time to talk to about season three, I think the thing um, 
that we really were interested in then was so we like we were like should we keep doing read-alongs and I really think yes because I think that like those are it's like this is like the perfect mix don't mix don't mess with it but what we really started to talk about was like what is the work that romance is doing when a book is working and that could be either because it's like an exemplar, like literally a perfect, like it perfects something in the genre, or just that maybe it's something everybody read and it's the people who don't even read a lot of romance have read that book. Like, what is it about those books that really like works? And so we were really, um, really interested in looking at 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 books that we think are are doing work, the work of romance. And really transforming the genre. I think we we talked about that a lot in season two, but I think season two was like where the genre has been. And I think season three for us is very much about like how the genre is is changing in the world. The work that it's done, yes, but also the work that it can is doing and can do at this particular time because we are it is impossible for us to talk about media in general and genre fiction specifically without talking about where we are right now in the world. Yeah, I think so. Did you ever watch the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Of course. Of course. Like you know what I keep thinking about is the potentials, right? Like sort of like the pool of women who could become the, the next Slayer. Mm-hmm. I think a lot about romance, like in that way, like what is the potential of romance? Like, what is it doing? What mm-hmm. does it do? What does it do for readers? What is it, yep. you know, doing for other romances? Or And, and I think that's kind of what we want to do is like just really dig into these are books that really either like struck a chord with us as as like a culture or as a critic and a writer. We're saying this book is an example of something really astounding that we want to draw attention to. And so it's not really... Um, like necessarily that we'll love every book, right? I, I mean, so like last season, I think we loved every book, right? Yep. I think this season will probably, there'll be books where I'm like, this really wasn't my favorite, but I can see what it's doing. Right. So what we're planning to do is talk about, um, so we, you will see, we have a list already of the books that we want to talk about of, or of like half, I think probably of the books that we yeah. want to talk about, which is how we started last year too, which mm-hmm. is sort of with a sense of, you know, the books we were sure we would get to. Yeah. Um, and I think that this year we're doing the same thing where we've got books that we are sure we will get to. Some of them you've definitely read. Yeah. Some of them you've absolutely heard of, right. even if you haven't read them. And some of them are going to be new. Um, And by new, I mean, like, there are a couple in there that are, like, debuts. Like, authors who we think are really, really pushing the envelope. And um, who we think should be considered as, like, potentially, like, truly transforming the genre um, with what they're doing. Right. Like, they're just doing some interesting work. And we want to talk about what that is, right? But you're not going to get, I mean, Jen says, like, they won't necessarily all be books that we love. And that's probably true. But, like, you're still not going to get, I don't think Jen and I are interested. I, we're, I don't think we're interested in, like, 
dragging a book. No. I think what we're interested in doing is talking about, like, even when we talk about a book that isn't, like, necessarily the perfect book for us, like, we're really interested in talking about how every romance novel that we tackle or that we look at is doing work for its readers. And I think maybe that's where this season is going, is to the reader broadly. We talk, I talk a lot as a writer about like the books that, that sort of hit the, the, they hit the ball straight down the middle and you just, they collect as many readers as possible as they go. And then there are the books that are really for a very particular niche of reader. And I think the joy of modern romance, of romance post 2010 is that those niches, those niche readers are able to find what they are looking for. So I'm really excited about things like Nikki Sloan coming on to talk about taboo romance, um, having Sierra back to talk about Menage, like making sure that we're really tackling these really interesting places where the traditional straight down the middle book just isn't cutting it. Um, Because you and I have always thought some of the most interesting work, you know, I mean, this is, I read this article once, okay, this is like a little bit of an aside about how if you look at like luxury cars right now, Mm -hmm. like the gadgets that they have on them that seem so like, ooh, amazing, become like mainstreamed within five or eight years. And I think like when we look at people who seemed like they were like on the margins 10 years ago, now we see that everywhere. So looking at people who are doing really cutting edge, cool stuff with romance right now, because it's that's the work of romance is that's what our future is. So I I think it's going to be broad. I'm worried it's like a little too broad right now. I'm hoping people will tell us like, hey, here's a book that we I thought was really cutting edge or was doing some interesting work. I think that's why we're still like kind of forming I expect we'll keep kind of talking about which books should be on the podcast for as the season goes on and you know we have blind spots too like romance is also so vast you know there's so much shoreline that I know that we'll need help from people to say like hey check this book out and also I want to just I want to just say that we're also planning on keeping interstitials very similar to where we've been in the past. Tracy Livesey is going to join us for Friends to Lovers. Alexis Daria is going to join us to talk about celebrity romances. Adriana is going to come and we're going to do a full episode on like feminism and misogyny in mm-hmm. romance, like which I'm very excited about. So um, there's a lot already in in the in the planning process for this season. Um, I think it's going to be great. I'm really, I'm very proud of season two. And I I think season three is going to be also very fun. Yeah, I agree. Jen, <laughs> why don't you tell our listeners what they've won for book one of season three? I think we, well, I said to Sarah, I was like, you got to do Fifty Shades first. So sorry, everybody. No, I'm not sorry. It. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm you not know what? sorry at all. It's, I think it's divisive. I think this is a book that has, uh, people have really strong feelings about, but there is no question in our minds that this is a book that did some work in romance. And we it of course lifted a, a lot. lot. And you know what? We are going to, and so I think, you know, we sort of were like, we talked about going out and hunting for a big game. I feel like this is what, like, we start, like, really, what was this book doing? And why did it work for so many people? And, you know, again, 
I think it's I think we have to start with Fifty Shades. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to start with Fifty Shades. Book one. You don't have to read the whole trilogy. That's a lot of work. No, please don't. (laughs) I mean, I do. But I do think here's the other thing. Can I spoil the other book that we're going to read this this season? Mm -hmm. Um, So we don't know the order, but we're going to read Fifty Shades first. Yeah. And at some point over the season, we're going to read Outlander. Yeah. And um, I think both of these books are really interesting choices for us this season because they are both books that have really lit a fire in romance. When you bring up either of these books with romance writers, including me, we have a lot of opinions about these books and why and and the The opinions that we have are very connected to the way that we connect to the genre as writers, as readers, as advocates for it. Um, We we think a lot about how the authors of these books have have um, connected with the genre. I want to have a conversation about that, especially related to Diana Gabaldon and like the way that she talks about romance, Um, because I think. We, when we talk about these two books, we get to unpack part of, I think, what Jen is saying when she says these are books that have done work in the genre, whether or not we wanted them to. Right. One, we don't get to decide what books become juggernauts. Um, And two, I think when these books are doing work in the genre, they're often doing it without even the authors wanting, like thinking about it that way. And that's what I'm really fascinated by, like that, like reader writer connection and right, like, and it's not that this is not going to be the season of juggernauts. Like we really wanted to. No, no, no. But these two are these two are important, I think, for one of the ways when we originally kind of like coming up with like, what should we call this? Like, right. Like, what's is it the pool? Is it the field? And I feel like these are books that sometimes romance readers are like, they don't belong in the field, but But I think that's what we're going to interrogate, right? Well, I think also what we need to interrogate is this question of um, we get to choose our pool, right? Like Jen and I have said for two years, we've said, well, fuck everyone. We know better, right? Because we're because we've lived in the pool, right? Like this is ours. We claim it. Um, But when the outside world looks at our pool, these two books dominate it right like if you've never read a romance novel and I say I mean I go to a lot a lot of well in before times I went to a lot of cocktail parties (laughs) and like parties and events where I would say to people like oh I write romance novels and they would say oh I read Fifty Shades or Or I read read Outlander Outlander, right or oh I'm I watch Outlander I'm really like wild about it yeah and like my instinct for both of those books is like well those are outliers they're not really Right. Like there's a lot to be said for both of them, but a lot of questions that I have. Um, But in the world, those are the two or at least those were the two. And now in 2020, there are a lot of other ones that have sort of like that have crept out into the world. And we're going to talk about those two. Um, some of the big, big books of the last few years that have found ways to break out of romance. And I think one of the things that Jen and I are really cautious about or thinking about constantly is what does it mean when a book moves out of the genre? 
Like, what does that mean? How does that impact us as a genre? How does it impact our community of readers? How does it impact um, the way we think about our books? How does it impact writers and the way we think about writing our stories? Um, Is the goal to move beyond the borders of the genre or is it to stay inside? Um, These are all complicated questions that are wrapped up in readership and in community and in culture and in centering, like who we center, who we value. Um, You know, these are big, big questions that reflect themselves over, that are reflected over and over again in the world around us, like every day in 2020. Like who belongs where and what does it mean to claim something as yours or to push it away? Yeah, it feels like we got to do Fifty Shades first. I think we'll do Outlander. We'll probably take a bit, you know, do a bunch of other things and we'll work on a reading order. Now, we're not going to read. Outlander's not going to be next. No, it'll be. So it'll be much later. Yeah. Um, But those are like the two when we sort of came up with this list that felt like we we had to do them. And I was like, do we have to do Nicholas Sparks? No. (laughs) And we were like, no, no men. I mean, well, no cishet white men. How about that? There you go. Because I actually think we will we will read a man, but the the it's a different kind of book. Yeah, but I think in this case, w- these two feel like the books that are right in considering kind of who we are and what we want to cover. Um, and I think that that's you know we're pretty but, excited yeah. about it. So there's so we're very excited about the reading list um, because I think a lot of you will be very excited about. I think a lot of you will be excited about it, period. Um, But I think a lot of you will be excited because we are going to tackle some books that many, many people love, too. Um, And so and and I'm really excited about a lot of these books are books that I have either not read in a long, long time or never read. So um, I'm excited to go back to many of them and really think about them from the perspective of like, why? What what is this work doing? If you're worried that we're going to like... I don't know, like trash one of your favorites. I, that is not our goal. No, that's never been our goal. We love romance. We love, we love romance. Like more than anything, this is a podcast about really like a deep, profound respect for romance and what it does and for romance readers. So even if we critique a book, I need you to trust us that it is never going to be with the intent of like trashing a book. And that's why I think we couldn't do Nicholas Sparks either, right? Like, I don't think either one of us would, like, really enjoy that or be, like, able to sort of look at it through that lens. So, you know, I I think that's why the goal is, like, the work, not necessarily the quality of the book or the, like, is it good or bad judgment of the book. It's the work. What is the work of the book? Yep. And reader first. Reader always, right? Reader always. And so for, I think for us, like, I'm I'm so much more interested, even in like my own work, uh, in what works for the reader versus what works in the book. Does yeah. that make sense? Like absolutely. So uh, there are. I mean, I I hope that we actually that over the course of the season, we're also you know continuing to do that kind of work, that sort of thinking about like when an author makes a choice that's really just clearly for a reader. Like, yeah, it's really. I a, love that. Me I love, too. I feel like romance. Look, I feel like all genre fiction does that better than any literary fiction I've ever read, right? Yeah, I think that's really true. Really, like, honors the reader. Um, But I feel like romance just is constantly taking care of readers. 
And I, I love that about us. Like, I love that we are the genre of like care, care. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting, I've been thinking a lot about it. I've been telling Sarah, I, my friend Ernie and I are like doing these read along of these Jack Reacher books, which to me, Jack Reacher is like, <laughs> like a romance novel, but like action movies in Wait, book form. Wait, you know the story of how he named Reacher, right? Do you no, know that story? Tell me. Oh my gosh. I'm going to tell you. So Jack Reacher is written by Lee Child. I don't know. He's written like 42,000 of these books. Who cares? Sure. Um, so Jack Reacher, the character is extremely tall. Yeah. Like extremely tall. Like six five or six six or something. So, he could be an so, IED hero. He so kind of is, is, honestly. Lee Child. Um, very, very, very tall. And he married the story goes that like he was in a grocery store with his wife, and I am married. Eric is about six five too. And so I am married to a reacher type. <laughs> um, although not, you know, black ops or anything. <laughs> not nearly as exciting. <laughs> Although he's lovely and he, you know, thank yeah, goodness sure. for him or we wouldn't exist. So the but um, if you are around very tall people or are a very tall person, um, they get asked all the time to reach by strangers to like reach to the top of a shelf. And they're mo- they're very happy to do. It. I mean, like Eric is always extremely happy Daryl to like is always like a help a lady get the, the toilet paper from the top shelf. Right. Um, well, the story goes that Lee Child was in a grocery store and um, he was working on this book and uh, the, a lady asked him to please or a person asked him to please get the thing off the top shelf. And he reached and he got it. And his wife said, you're just like your your name should be Reacher. Like, that's what you do. <laughs> that's amazing. And he was like, Reacher, that's what I'm going to call him. And that's, that's why Jack Reacher is named Jack Reacher. And. It's perfect. It is perfect. At the very end of the film, sure. uh, you see the hand of uh, Jack Reacher come up uh, <laughs> to the top of the screen and uh, he reaches up and then pulls down uh, <laughs> the, the credits, screen as if like it's a, a window, window shade. shade. Here's, what, here's what I was going to say about Jack Reacher, because Ernie and I have been having these conversations about like Reacher as a character. And it's this really weird thing where I'm like, Reacher as a character likes women. Lee Child does not care about women at all. Like, right, there's no woman that is at all well-developed in a Jack Reacher book. But Jack Reacher has a lot of deep respect for no women. No for it. Gotta, gotta, gotta get the bad guys, man. <laughs> right? But it's fascinating to me. Like, I think it's a really good example, though, of when we talk about a reader like, like reader service, I guess, versus like an author. This is like a real clear delineation, like a very pristine example of here is something that a author doesn't really care about, but the character does. And I think romance is also does a lot of that kind of work. Right. I think it's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. I think, I mean, I just feel like we just do an and look, anybody who writes Litfic is right now cursing me out. But I just feel that we do more of it. We're thought more careful. We're more aware of our readers. Yeah. I mean, and look, part of that is about writing genre, right? Like, yeah. we know that there are so many of us. Mm-hmm. Like, I was talking to my mom while we were away about... um just the fact that, you know, Jonathan Franzen can write a book every eight years. And whenever the book comes out, like the whole world explodes with like, oh, look, like a new, you know, modern classic. Right. And it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter what's between the covers of that book. Like he's sort of established as a modern classic. And therefore, when he puts a book out, sure. so be it. Right. Like that's it's the book. Event. Yeah. Um, 
And we, if I waited eight years between now and the next book, no one would remember me eight years from now. Like, which is, speaks a lot to what we talk about, about, you know, the books do different kinds of work. You know, it's the, it's the, I've written, uh, if it takes you longer than six hours to read one of my books, I've done something wrong. Jonathan Franzen would lose his mind if it took you six hours to read his book. Oh, he yeah. Would, right? he would, I mean, that's not acceptable. Sure. Um, but for me, I feel like the the work. So part of it is the kind of churn, which I do think we'll talk about over the course of the 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 this season, this idea of like how fast we are writing, how fast the genre is moving. Um, but when you're do when you're talking about the churn, you're really talking about reader fan service. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think about somebody like Katie Robert. I know you and I both read her most recent, like very, um, very, like very sexy. Ooh, hot. Yeah. <sighs> Yowza. <laughs> Maynage Christmas novella, which is really delicious. I mean, like it is a pure, quick and dirty, like delicious read. Right. Um, And like Katie is writing these books very quickly and they are great. Yeah, they are. And um, because they are she I think because she is keenly aware of what they should be, what will make her readers happy. Right. Right. God, I love thinking that that is my favorite part of the job. What is going to make my reader happy? And I think that's why, like, I mean, I'm not going to get into Fifty Shades right now because we're going to do a whole episode about it. But one of the things that I really want to talk about and I'd like you all to think about as you're reading, if you decide to reread, is where are the moments in that book that make readers happy? I think that's exactly right. And I think there are a lot of them. I think it's going to be really fun. I think season three is going to be a blast, Sarah. So that's going to be Fifty Shades is going to be in two weeks, though. We're going to have an interstitial next week. About our summer reads. Jen summer and I are going to talk about our summer reads. And also books set in summer during beach. It's all going to be amazing. Yes. But our summer reads, kind of an interstitial that'll be fun. And then that'll give you two weeks, if you so desire, to hit the Fifty Shades train. And uh, season three, we're on our way. Yeah. And just as a reminder, you only have to read the first in the Fifty Shades series. Spoiler, it does not end happily. You need all three books to get the HEA of Fifty Shades. So if that's important, just schedule for it. Jen and I will talk about all three vaguely and the first one in serious, you know. The read along is really for the first book, for sure. Look at us. Under an hour. I mean, we're just, I would say concise is the word. (laughs) Eric's going to be like, you talked about what season three was for eight minutes and then talked about a bunch of other stuff for 45. (laughs) So slow your roll, McLean. Who cares? Um, what else? What else can we say? What else do we have to say? Um, all the stuff that we usually say. We are produced by Eric Mortensen, who's great. Um, I married him, so, you know, I'm biased, but whatever. Um, and then uh, we also, you can get gear. Oh, gear. Oh, yeah. There's gear. There are t-shirts. There's Faded Mates t-shirts. And bags. T-shirts yes. and bags. And sweatshirts. Um, you can find the link at our website, fatedmates.net, where you can also find transcripts, um, which we are continuing to work on. We're doing season two transcripts first, and then yeah. we're going to go back and do IAD. So, you know, we're slowly getting there. Um, thanks to Steve Amadown and the Brown uh, Pop Culture Library at Bowling Green for cataloging Faded Mates and making sure that it's available in 
perpetuity. That's kind of amazing. I was all like, Mom, the University of Michigan. She's like, we're Ohio people, Jennifer. I'm like, listen. Um, our logo and pins are all designed by best friend Kelly at Resistance Buttons, who also is like really providing like great you guys, button content. She made some so cute but Biden Harris buttons, and they are so much cuter than the ones that you can get at their official site. So if you have like a need for like really stylish election swag, Kelly's got you covered. Always. Also, she's got these very cute uh, postcard packs that promote oh, yeah. uh, romance. So you can use those maybe to write your uh, your public officials. There you go. Um, so that's all at Resistance Buttons. We'll put that's links. Those links are also at FadedMates.net. You can always listen to the music that's on the podcast on our Spotify playlist, which is very fun to listen to. I listen to it a lot over the summer, over our break. Um, what else, Jen? What do you got going? I don't know. I'm supposed to go back to school. Jen's I don't want to talk by. about it. I don't want to talk about it. Let's not talk about it. But if you are sending your kids back to school right now, we're thinking about you. Yeah. Uh, I have a six-year-old, and Jen is a teacher, and, like, it Just all be sucks safe, out here. Be I safe. Know. Wear your masks. Tell your kids to be safe and wear their masks. And I don't know. Yeah. We love you. All righty, everybody. Uh, Biden-Harris 2020. Yeah. I just sent you the link, Sarah. You can look at the pins right now. Oh, and I didn't even say this at the beginning, but sometimes, here's a fun fact that I didn't know. <laughs> sometimes Eric moves whole things we say around in the episode. I probably, we didn't even notice. I would To quote, notice. make you sound better. <laughs> Hashtag bless. <laughs> so... I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to lie because I'm going to tell you, we are t- we talk about editing. All the, mm-hmm. all the magic happens in editing. And I feel like now when I'm editing things, I'm all like, this is just in the wrong order. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently Eric thinks we're in the wrong order, not infrequently. Fine. Um, but I will say this. Uh, y'all, we had a new, um, did he send you the new no. theme song? Is oh it my God, it's great. It's great. <gasps> I'm so excited. So uh, we have a new theme song. Yeah, so sure. maybe you heard it. <laughs> I haven't heard it yet, but I will. He'll probably cut all this out, but there is a new theme song and it's pretty great. Yeah. I'm going to make him send it now. Okay. All right. Um, we should count. Countdown. Well, one. I'm like, two. Three. Four. Five. Sarah, I'm so happy to be back. That was nice. 